Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Reconciling Grace. My name is Pete Becky, and I am joined today with our regular panelists, Steve Wilson, Mick Wells, and Vicki Cundiff. And today's episode is actually going to be part two of a topic that we started last time called Decisions Based on Divine Direction. And uh, Vicki Cundiff, you led us off last time with some great ideas. And as sometimes happens, we just get into so much good stuff that 30 minutes just isn't enough time. And so we're going to kind of pick up where we left off. And maybe what we can do is, Vicki, uh, start out with a little bit of a recap of, of where we were, and then uh, you can let us know where we're going from now. Sure. We were talking about um, decisions that we make in our lives or for our lives based on divine direction from God. The reason we made those decisions is because God was leading us in some way. And there was some great discussion, personal things about your own lives of how God uh, had led you uh, in different variety of ways, uh, actually, that God does that. But we were giving some biblical examples uh, about Noah and even Abraham, uh, and then about David, and so uh, and also personal examples. But today we're going to talk about uh, the prophet Hosea. Uh, he's one of the 12 minor prophets that uh, it's labeled anyway that way, and he's the very first one. Um, but anyway, God told him something uh, specifically. Uh, the scriptures in chapter 1, verse 2 says, The Lord said to him, Go and marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. And so he married Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. And then God told him later, this isn't a scripture here, but later on in that chapter, uh, he told them to told him to give certain names to their first three children, and each of these names uh, had a meaning uh, for what was going to make this representation. Because what God was doing was He was asking her to go out and marry this, or him to marry this woman, as an illustration of what uh, Israel is doing to God. There was idolatry going on and so the adultery and all of that stuff that was that God is calling them and we don't think about that sometimes do we we don't think about our relationship with God and how our sin affects him and so the story of Hosea is Hosea is like this live example of how God feels uh, about uh, adultery done through idolatry uh, and how uh, how he feels about it. And Hosea felt that way himself. And he was just this live example. And I can't even imagine what he must have felt like living that life down through those years. Uh, mm -hmm. But the thing of it, it said, it started off here and it said, the Lord said to him, and then he went out and did it. And so again, we see a, an example here of how uh, he, God told him specifically uh, what to do, and he obeyed. And uh, it seems like an odd command, doesn't it? To ask him to go out and and marry a promiscuous woman. So humanly speaking, how do you think that people would feel about that? Like if you just heard that, that God wanted you to go out and do something like that and telling you to go out and do something that you're going, you want me to do what? You know, I mean, he, it doesn't say, but wouldn't you be surprised? 
you know, to be asked that question or be asked anything that seemed out of the ordinary uh, of what God wanted you to do. Do mm-hmm. you think it's an odd command? Well, I do. Um, I think one of the things that we should maybe just take a quick step back here with Hosea is understand the culture there, mm-hmm. because um, Hosea was going to be representative of, as you said, the way Israel had treated God. And so what we're talking about with the idea of a promiscuous woman is someone who was not true to the one to whom she was supposed to be true, just Mm -hmm. the way that we are called to be true to God. And so, you know, you can almost take out the whole sexual promiscuity aspect of it, um, because that's almost narrowing it down too much, I think. Mm -hmm. The idea is an overall illustration that Israel was not being true to God in the same way that this prostitute who um, Hosea married, the way that God, you know, brought us into his family, and yet the prostitute, the wife, the one who was supposed to be true to the husband, was no longer true to him. It was the way that Israel was no longer being true to God. Yes, and God was making that point uh, through this live example. Um, the first child, I believe, if I'm remembering it correctly, correctly, the name was basically saying that uh, judgment is going to be pouring out against you, you know, for, for the sin against me. And and in the second one, he said, you know, I I, I don't love you anymore. Now we know that God always loves us, but in other words, you're you're not showing love to me, and I'm I'm pulling back my my blessing. And and the third child, the the meaning of it, uh, whatever name that it was, the meaning was you're not my people anymore. And think how Israel would have felt about that because they were proud of the fact uh, that they were God's people. And so this whole thing had a a a reason, a purpose. And when God asks something of us it may be very difficult for us to wrap our head around and even think, why would you want me to do that? But he'll make it clear. Sometimes he'll make it clear in the moment, like there's this this knowing. But I think it's huge that Hosea went out and, and did that. But the scripture doesn't say that he didn't love her, didn't meet somebody and love her. I'm, I'm sure he did because of a later scripture that we're going to read. Uh, but it but it does say that that he did that. So you know, you have to try to believe there that, that they had a, a good marriage relationship. We don't know uh, one way or the other. Um, so we really don't know if he was surprised or hesitant at first. I think that just speaks to us that sometimes we can be uh, when we're asked something of God. But we just know that he obeyed that decision to obey that divine direction from God. It fulfilled God's purposes at the time uh, for Israel to reveal their sin and the coming judgment but that judgment also through the, the scriptures, it's going to end in restoration. You know, sometimes God has to uh, just pull back from people and their sin will almost destroy them, so to speak, until they cry out to God. And basically, that's what happened in the story of Hosea. He was the messenger, but that's what happened there that uh, eventually it wasn't in, going to be in that decade, but eventually Israel would be restored. Like you were saying, um got to reveal his purposes for why he's asking us to do something. And he did that right off the bat with Hosea. He said, go marry a promiscuous woman mm-hmm. because Israel's like an adulterous wife to me. And so, you know, we've talked about discernment and how do we know God is telling us something. Uh, in that instance, God showed Hosea his motive. This is why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. So I think when, when we're asking ourselves, why, why would God tell us to do this? We have to look at 
What is God's motive? You know, does this line up with God's character? Would he tell me something like this? So that's why I like that the guy was very clear with Hosea right off the bat. This is why we're doing this. Yeah. I think that's a good point, Steve. Um, There may be instances in our lives when we don't see the connection, but to to know it up front would certainly help. I could, you know, in answer to Vicki's question, does it seem like an odd command to make a marriage? A prophet marry a promiscuous woman, I'd have to say that I would be utterly confused because it would seem counterintuitive based on my understanding of Scripture. Yeah. And it probably was to him at first. You know, sometimes we're surprised at things that that God may ask us to do. And in in all honesty, when God was asking me to preach, I was like, what? You want me to be a preacher, someone who is so backward and just would rather not do that, does not like to be in front of people or anything like that. So I think that that would kind of speak maybe to our listeners' hearts, like what you're saying, that uh, sometimes it does seem odd to us. But if we will just hang in there and let God reveal to us uh, His purposes, then you know we'll eventually find that strength to follow through. How do you feel about being about behind a microphone? I love it, yeah. <laughs> but uh, only because I know that God has placed me here as well as I believe He's placed the three of you. And so, the point of that then would be that He's going to help us through whatever it is He asks us to do, and He's going to give us uh, the words and the courage to do whatever He calls us to do, mm-hmm. even if it's not what you envision for your life. Right. All right. If you think about Hosea, God says, "Go marry a pr- promiscuous woman." Now, I don't know how old Hosea was at this point, but if he was a young man. Uh, you might be thinking, you know, God, that's not really the kind of woman that I wanted to marry. But like you said, God uh, God had a purpose. God obviously spoke uh, for generations through Hosea's example. I'm sure if Hosea is looking back on his life, he wouldn't have regretted his decision of following God. Yeah. But uh, it probably went against the grain, against his plans at first. Do you think yeah. God had... Gomer picked, because the way the scripture reads here, he just said, go marry a promiscuous woman. Mm -hmm. And it said, so he married Gomer as if, okay, there's my charter. I'll find somebody who's loose (laughs) and I'll marry her and that'll be God's will. I just Mm -hmm. don't know how far that. That's another one of those big things where, you know, we don't really see in the scripture of how he came about her. It seems like, like from what you're saying, that he had to go find somebody. But that's what I mean. We don't know how long that it took of him meeting her or, or maybe even falling in love with her or whatever. Mm-hmm. We just don't know what that looks like. So right. the scripture just given us this one line. <laughs> right. Well, it was a you totally know? different culture back then, too, yes. because I don't think that they had the whole idea of dating relationships right. and, and things like that. It was more or less arranged marriages or, or hey, I want to marry this woman. And, and you talk to the father and whatever. And the idea that she was known to be promiscuous, that kind of goes against the whole grain of the whole society back then, too. So Homer's um, father said, are you sure? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or either that or Gomer's father says, yes, please take her off my hands. We, we don't know. We honestly don't know. But the idea is that, as what you said, is he was obedient. And even on her side of it, you know, when he went and did that, saw the father or whatever that he did, you know, maybe she was made to go and do it. But, you know, we don't know. That's just off the top of my head. But at the same time, maybe she thought this might be a good arrangement for me rather than how I'm living. So we really don't know. 
But we are going to get into the scriptures here uh, in a little bit that talks about his love for her. Um, but has God ever asked you to do something that surprised you? But you obeyed it anyway because you knew that God wanted you to do it. That'll be a question that'll be coming up soon because it's getting time for us to go to our break. And then when we come back, uh, someone will answer that question. Welcome back to Reconciling Grace. We've been talking about uh, making decisions based on divine direction. And I had just asked the question, has God ever asked you to do something that surprised you, but you obeyed because you knew it was what God wanted you to do? Steve, I believe you had a comment you wanted to make. Yeah, so the after I finished seminary, I went and uh, was working at a church. And about a year and a half into my ministry, uh, God surprised me by basically presenting me with a situation that forced me to leave the church. Uh, there was a situation where church leadership was not uh, acting according to Scripture. And so it was kind of a situation where, God, you know, I'm, I'm only a year and a half into my ministry here, and uh, I feel like I can't stay here. You know, and, and so... There was a lot of uh, a lot of searching of heart, you know. Do I do I just stay here and do the good that I can, or do I have to make a stand and say, no, I can't, I can't go with this? And so that was surprising to me. But I felt, you know, I, I couldn't really do anything different. Uh, I felt like, you know, God was saying, the church needs to be the church, and if you're going to be a minister, you have to stand for that. So that was surprising, a uh, turn of events, uh, but eventually it led me to working with Pete uh, just a few months later. So I suppose that was God's will for me to leave that church. Yeah. All because he wanted you to be here for Reconciling Grace. How about that? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. There was an extension to that plan, wasn't there? Yeah. And uh, sometimes the, that's a good point, that sometimes uh, the decisions that we make even years earlier sometimes it just has a plan that it connects down the road. Mm -hmm. Anybody ever experienced that before? It always makes sense in retrospect, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. good old hindsight. Yeah, hindsight, and you know, in, in, in less than a few months, it's going to be 2020, and I'm waiting for one of those end-of-the-year retrospectives next year called 2020 Hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone else have an example that they would like to share? Well, I think you kind of brought it up a little bit, um, just the whole idea of being called into ministry. I mean, here I was a pretty much non-practicing Roman Catholic growing up. Um, I think I've shared that in my testimony before. And here I was being called into preaching ministry, and I was already in my 30s before that happened. Um, and in what way was God calling me at that time into evangelism? And the way to evangelize evangelize at that time wasn't really necessarily in bringing new people into the church, but an evangelist in the Church of the Nazarene at that time was called into preaching for revivals. And I got into it just at the time when revivals were really dying out. And so here I am going full-time into evangelism ministry where they count your... Um, 
your your service based on how many revivals you hold and churches aren't calling people for revivals especially um young people who have only been in the church of the nazarene for you know four five six years and what has this guy got to uh to say about it i mean i remember going to evangelist uh, gatherings where i'd hear about all these different evangelists how they were saved under the preaching of so and so and saved under the preaching of so and so and everybody's oh yeah hey man what a great preacher that was i'm thinking who are these people that that they're talking about <laughs> but you know god called me into that and then he called me to pastor a church and it's like really pastor a church and it was through that that uh, hey i met steve how about that <laughs> You know, I get that what you're saying about the being an evangelist because I spent some years as an evangelist as well. And, you know, I was studying for the ministry, and I remember being in a class and uh, the young teacher, you know, ministry class, and we were talking about church planting, and and he was making the comment that revivals was something of the past, and we really didn't need to do that anymore. Well, wouldn't you know it? It was sometime later because I'm thinking like I don't know how I feel about this. Maybe it is. You know, I mean, I'm thinking maybe he's right. Well, wouldn't you know it? It was some point later, I don't know how long, God makes it crystal clear to me that I'm supposed to be an evangelist. And so now I'm looking at that going, okay, so if God is still calling evangelist, then we must still need revivals. And so I don't know that that's a decision. We're talking about decisions that is really correct for the church. That would be a different topic. Um, we know that if you go back into church history, that uh, when revivals would sweep through the nation, that's when people got saved and started turning back to God. And I think in the world that we live in today, we need a revival to sweep through our nation and to come back to God. And so that's another, that just led right into another uh, decision-making process of making sure that what we're doing personally, even as a church, you know, making sure that we're following uh, God's perspective and God's plan uh, for what He wants for our life. But, you know, sometimes the decisions that we make because God is leading us, sometimes people are against those decisions. And I've had that happen to me in a particular way. And I, I feel like God's, you know, has led me not to say what that was. But at the same time, it was it was strong. It was from somebody even in an authoritative position over me. It was from other people that there is no way that you should be doing that. And so it caused doubt to roll over me and so the same day that this particular thing happened and i'm praying about it and I'm, I'm kind of upset and that allowed satan to swarm in with all kinds of doubt and i felt god say you know pick up the bible and you know i was kind of upset and up over it because i thought i'm going in the wrong direction i'm not supposed to be an evangelist you know uh, and maybe maybe it's true and i was starting to think about these people that were saying this maybe that this is true and uh God said, pick it up. I was like, well, okay, well, I picked it up. Where I go now? We'll go to Isaiah. Well, Isaiah is a big book, Lord, you know, because I was just really troubled, and I was just kind of saying it like this. Go to chapter 2. And so I'm reading, and I, I go reading along, and, you know, it's just like, well, uh, I'm, I'm not getting anything out of this. And I read along a little further, and the last verse, chapter 2, verse 22, says, don't put your trust in mere humans. They are as frail as breath. What good are they? And then the Lord said, I called you. And so I knew no matter the obstacles, and there were obstacles, but no matter the obstacles, that I had to follow through with that. And eventually the people that were against that, then they saw the truth. Mm -hmm. God revealed the truth mm -hmm. of what that was. And so uh, I'm just saying from that that sometimes we have to pursue even when there are people that 
or even opposing it, not just ridiculing like like maybe Noah received, but maybe even in an opposition way, you know, that they're, you know, saying it, you know, in this way. And so, first of all, we got to be very, very sure of what God is calling us to do. But God will, he will bring that confirmation. You know, Pete, you, you shared in an illustration, I think it was in our last program about, uh, it just kept coming to you uh, about what the going to Russia, wasn't it? Right. And it just kept coming to you. God kept putting it before you uh, mm-hmm. through a speaker, you know, right. that she was hearing on the radio. And so God will continue to let us know whatever it is that he's called us to do. He'll let us know if it's right, and he'll let us know if it is wrong. Mm-hmm. So, any other anyone else got anything to share uh, along those lines? Well, it, it sounds like um, I hope that there are some pastors listening to us today because I know that a lot of times the pastoral ministry can be very, very, very discouraging. I mean, I, I have spent I think a grand total of about twelve years as a senior pastor. Um, I'm an associate pastor right now, but the uh, senior pastorate is oftentimes much, much more difficult. And uh, there are times um, when, as a pastor, you just know that you're supposed to be leading the people in a certain way, and they're going to almost always be some of those who will do everything they can to oppose you. Yeah, they sure will. Not everyone is in alignment with what needs to be done. And so some of those, some of that opposition, I think, like in what you're saying, uh, from the things that... Um, that can happen in a church is sometimes people's environment, what they've believed uh, and long believed, it's just their traditions of sometimes they can't pull out of. Um, but we just need to be sure of what God is calling us to do and follow through with it uh, no matter what. And and that's what we saw here from Hosea. And so Hosea in some ways had a difficult life. Uh, Gomer, his wife, eventually left him she committed adultery, um, and she went back to her old lifestyle. And Steve is going to read what God said to Hosea in chapter 3, uh, the first four verses. Well, it's the whole chapter, the four verses, or five oh. verses maybe. <laughs> the Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver, and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute, or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way toward you. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, The Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. So again, we can see that God was directing or commanding Hosea to do a certain thing for a divine purpose. And he really felt what God feels. But let's just, before we get to that, let's just talk for a moment. So he's, he's went out and he's done what God said and he had a family, and then she left him again. And now God is saying, go back and, and take her back again. Uh, humanly speaking, is that something that maybe people wouldn't want to do? I think you're opening up a whole can of worms there, because I think there are some people who would say, of course not, and then there are other people who just simply can't let go. You know, I, I, I remember 
Uh, many times in my life, I've heard of people who who just keep trying to take the same person back, even though they're not uh, they're not good for them. But I don't know if that's the direction we're actually supposed to be going in this in this topic today. I was thinking that uh, you know the example here of, of committing adultery oddly is the one area where God says it's sanctioned to get a divorce. But I, I like something that I heard elsewhere from a a theologian who said that adultery, first and foremost, is is grounds for forgiveness. And so um, I can see where it would be a a hard pill to swallow. In in fact, when God says, go love your wife again, I'd be interested in seeing what the Septuagint word for love is in that. What's the Greek word for love? Because in a situation like this, as you've kind of alluded to, it's not something that would necessarily come naturally. Well, I don't know what the Greek word is, but what I can get from the story from myself is the Lord said to him to take her back, to love her again. So that's letting us know that he loved his wife, you know, like we are saying earlier. So to me, even though I don't know which Greek word it is, <laughs> I would say it would be unconditional. God is calling us to an unconditional kind of love. And that's the agape. That no matter what she, right, no matter what she had done, uh, because he had taken her in, and, you know, now, isn't, isn't that one of the most hurtful things? You know, I've never experienced that before, but isn't that one of the most hurtful things uh, that someone would commit adultery against you? And so that's what she had done uh, to Hosea. But God says to him to take back your wife, go love your wife, and she's evidently, uh, sold herself into some type of slavery because he has to go and buy her back again. And so don't you think that it would take a great unconditional love to go and love someone and take them back again? But that's the kind of love that God calls us to. And so here from um, Hosea, we can see how God is just directing him to do something that uh, is for a divine purpose. And so one of the great things we can learn from this story is Hosea had the opportunity to feel what God feels because Hosea knew what it was like to have a wife that committed adultery uh, against him and he took her back. And Israel was committing idolatry. And so that was adultery against God. And so he felt the same thing that God feels when people sin against him and, and we can commit uh, adultery through idolatry. So Hosea marrying Gomer and then taking her back again is the same concept that we see in salvation because we know that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says, if you say that you're without sin, you're a liar. Now, we become without sin when we come, become before God and God cleans up our heart. But before we come to God, everyone has sinned. Everyone has been unfaithful, just like someone in ad- ad- adultery has been. But God loves us. He forgives us, and He restores us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so it's very significant that He says to him, go and love your wife again, because it kind of shows us that even though something in our lives, something may have happened to us or our listeners out there, something may seem completely broken. And you can look at something and you think it can never be fixed again, but the Bible says that love covers over a multitude of sins. So like Hosea and Noah and Abraham and David, God wants us to follow his direction, even when it's unpopular, even when it's opposed, uh, even when maybe you're afraid to follow through, you feel like an unlikely candidate. God wants us to do what he's asking us to do. And the scripture is true that I can do everything 
through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. Amen. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's important that we just make one little note here that uh, when something bad happens, it doesn't necessarily mean that God is causing it. In fact, I don't think that God does cause these things to happen. But regardless of a bad situation, it's because that there is sin in the world and this world does not function the way it's supposed to, but God can still work through it. So, Vicki, I want to thank you for leading this uh, discussion the last couple of days. Steve Wilson, Mick Wells, I thank you for being part of this. This is Pete Vecchi. Lord willing, we'll be back again next time for Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace.